The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch. Because this is the turn it up to 11 NBA playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Wearing a men's warehouse outfit makes you confident, like you could do anything. So you dance like no one is watching, even though everyone is watching. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you interview like the job is already yours because it is. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you golf as if the rules don't apply to you because you're too well-dressed for rules. Because of the men's warehouse outfit. At Men's Warehouse, get measured, get fitted, get hot, get confident in everything from tailored suits to underwear and all the stuff in between. Love the way you look at Men's Warehouse. Welcome to the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. We're back. On the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast, I'm your host, Kyle Bergnoni, and I am joined once again, ladies and gentlemen, by Matthew New Logo Bets. New Logo, who dis? Um, man, that is so exciting, right? Like, you look at the, the podcast that you're listening to right now, you look at the, the artwork, and you might think to yourself, is this the right show? We have morphed Borg into the DFS and Betting show. Um, a lot of people love the betting takes. Of course, they love our DFS takes, but... People always ask, you know, there, there's two things they ask for, more dynasty content and more betting mm, content. Mm. And we're, we're men of the people, right? So we had to give them what they wanted. Yeah. When people think about, hey, what have you been doing? Like, have you guys just been farting around? Well, here's what we've been doing, people. The answer is uh, yes. Well, we got, <laughs> we got Schneider to make a new logo, right? So we didn't, do, we didn't, we didn't really do that, but it is, it's looking really snazzy, really good. Um, so in your podcast feed, you're going to see something brand new, but also We've been working on the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty podcast, which will come out. It will be in your ears as you hear this, uh, so make sure you check that out. But yeah, man, since the Super Bowl, a lot's been going on. And, and I think people forget that we do this show you know, all throughout the quote-unquote offseason. We go to two shows a week when we hit the regular season, and then we go all the way through the playoffs. So we went all the way through the Super Bowl, took a short breather, Really? But we've still been turning out stuff. So what have you been doing other than just sitting on your butt? Well, that's the first thing, obviously. Um, but before we move on to that, Kyle, I just want to point out for our OG listeners, you'll notice a nice surprise in the logo if you take a look at the artwork. Ooh. Take your eyes to the left side of the logo and, and just kind of you know take a peek, see what you see, and uh, let the us shadows know. shadows to the left. Yes, let us know what you see. If you're an OG listener, you'll appreciate this so much. Which, by the way, when, when I first saw the artwork, I didn't even see it. Kyle had to point it out to me, and it's it's just so good. So when you see it, you'll know. But um, but yeah, man, the last couple weeks have been great. You know, we do kind of take a little bit of a step back, just hit the reset button. You know, life stuff's still going on for me. Um, busy with the twins as usual. Lots of family time. Planning a big trip here to California shortly. But work stuff. I mean, the Dynasty Pass has been going on all off season. We're prepping for best ball content. We're kind of mapping out the off-season shows from a betting perspective. And um, I'm still you know, deep in the weeds with injuries too. So still doing the Injury Blitz podcast. Comes out monthly right now. The Injury Tracker and the Dynasty Pass this year is new. So you know, in season, we're kind of on this weekly grind. But it's so fun. I love the off-season to be able to kind of step back and um, you know, get some different content out there that is in different areas. Like I love Dynasty. It's one of my passions. But... In season, it's all DFS, it's all betting all the time. So it's fun to, to take a step back and get some different work out there. Yeah, where I first discovered you, Matthew, was you were a dynasty bro way back in the day, doing some doing some writing. So, grinding, the t- grinding the tape. Yeah, this is kind of like your bread and butter. Um, I'm excited for that show. I'm going to get to play point guard. That's what I've been telling people. Like I you know, I could use like a Steve Nash reference out here in, in Phoenix, but I'm going to use an Atlanta reference, Mookie Blaylock. You know, setting up Dikembe Mutombo, Steve Smith. I'm sure that hits, you know, a good 5% of our audience. They love that. (laughs) If that. Um, You know what you could have said for a great point guard, which I put in my article on the site for this player. Bryce Young is a great point guard. 
the play breaks down, he knows how to get it going. So I'm excited to talk about that stuff. That was my comp for him. He's like, he's a great point guard in, in what he does in his role. So it'll be fun to break out the dynasty takes because a lot of people just know us as, you know, these guys that just sit and grind at their computer for hours and hours and weeks on end just to make you know, a couple of bucks <laughs> each week. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. I, I like that people get the fantasy footballers from a couple of different angles and how we get to contribute to each show. So, yeah, I, I love what we get to do uh, on this podcast, our DFS embedding. You and I are going to take 2022 and encapsulate kind of the lessons, things that we've seen from our listeners and give you some takeaways moving forward. So our show in the off season is getting you prepared, getting your mindset prepared. But way before we get to August and September to talk about DFS, you and I spend a ton of time talking about how to wager, what are the best places and the best markets to take advantage and do this. We talk about the NFL draft. We'll be doing that over the next month. Here are our draft props. Here's things. We do a live uh, every single year. It's one of my favorite shows where we go through the first round from a betting perspective. And just for Bets and I, we get to use really sweet old school 90s starter logos from starter jackets. I mean, what could be better than only two people ever seeing that, right? It's my favorite show doc of the year, every year. Yeah, it gets voted pretty highly in the show doc awards. Man, I need to do that, but I do all the show docs so, uh, <laughs> on all the shows, so whatever. Uh, yeah, and then we get to talk more about win totals. We'll touch on that a little bit on this show. Uh, I've done a lot of work. I just finished, right before recording, the schedule-adjusted projections for the entire NFL, all 272 games, and from a win probability perspective, I think people don't realize there's so much that can happen. So we'll talk about that a little bit on the show. But yeah, we've got a fun couple of uh, weeks leading up to the NFL draft, which should be good. And if you want to get all of our content, you can get that in the UDK Plus right now. The Dynasty Pass is live, but in the UDK Plus is our prop bets. You're going to be a part of our props channel, which once again, you can get on Discord and bets is firing off props. You get alerted to those. You can get in early on the ground level, like, I don't know, CJ Stroud to go to be the first quarterback. You could have gotten that with us way back in the day when he was over plus 400. Now he's the favorite. So if you want to get ahead of everything, if you want to move the lines, uh, you can do that and you can make sure that you jump in with us. But ultimatedraftkit.com if you want to be a part of that. But let's talk about our lessons from this year. State of the main slate. So I didn't know what drop to hit. Like... I, I didn't have a like a. That's okay, the one you went with, learn. huh? That one. I, I just looked at the board and I just pressed one. You know, <laughs> you, should, you should just close your eyes and hit something random and see what happens. Okay, so people. Here's what I need from you. Okay, the 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 faithful listeners, some OGs out there. The person that makes the drops for our show is none other than Mike Wright. We know the person that does the voiceover is Jason, right? Correct. So what I need you to do is, if you're like, I want a spicy new drop that these guys get to use on the show. Like just message Mike and say, Mike, I feel like you could give us a true ripper on the DFS embedding show. That's called moving the lines. That's all I want. It's just a simple one that says moving the lines. And this has kind of been in queue for, I don't know, a year. <laughs> still waiting, still waiting for the right time. <laughs> I, I, I think there's some custom DFS embedding drops that we're going to get. So we'll, we'll hopefully get those to you 2023, but Let's reflect. Let's look back. 2022, we can talk about it from a profitability standpoint. I feel like you are on fire right now with NBA. People are going to hate that I mentioned that. But, dude, you are, you are on fire with NBA DFS. So take that out of your, your mindset. Overall, first feelings, we're going to get to five lessons. But your first feelings overall of how you felt about last year DFS embedding from just a raw emotional standpoint. Yeah, I mean, it's always kind of tough to separate kind of the in-season grind with like the off-season reflection because in season you know we talk about this all the time it's one week you know what you did in week one doesn't really matter for week 16 when you're talking about kind of this weekly short-term mindset but when you take a step back and look at the whole picture um you know it was a definitely up and down year especially from a betting perspective for us dfs wise for me personally it was one of my best years yet um just a crazy run from like weeks one to twelve but as variance hits every year, it does. I got wrecked at the end of the year. So it kind of had this like weird, like beginning of the year was incredible. End of the year was not great. But when I take a step back and review the entire season in the whole portfolio, it was really good, really profitable. 
um, and you know, learned a ton along the way, which I'm excited to share a lot of that information with you guys today in terms of what I took away from last year, because the guys do it every year for kind of like 10 things to remember for your redraft leagues. That episode to me, and I think a lot of people hits home so clearly that you have to kind of reflect and make sure you take that information and go forward with it and not just say like, all right, we're done with 22. Like, let's try again this year. So I'm excited to share some of that stuff today. Yeah, my, my first reflection when I was going through, and, and there's lots of different things on the show. Talk about DFS, you know, from a cash and GPP perspective. We talk about win total betting, which spoiler, was a, probably our best year ever. That felt really good. Uh, from like a prop betting perspective, we'll talk about that in our record and kind of like where we trended. It was an awesome down the stretch record. And then best ball. I know for me, when I'm just quickly thinking about best ball, I look back at my exposure rates and there were certain calls where I was like, oh, I was so overweight the field and this was awesome. Like Justin Fields, my number one quarterback. That was awesome. That gave me these ceiling outcomes and that's the kind of upside I want in a, you know, what was he being taken? Like quarterback 13 or 14? Like you were getting him at a good spot. But then I also look at my exposures and go, wow, I was way too overweight on our boy Pity City. Like just, just things like that, that it hurts, man. It hurts when you start to see players like that. It it just didn't work out. Right? No, you know, and the first thing that came to lo- came to mind when you uh, when you said that is Trey Lance, which I don't know about you, but I am very excited to flush some more money down the drain this offseason, my friend, <laughs> as we continue to chase the Trey Lance situation, which we'll talk about over the course of the summer. But yeah, it is it is kind of fun to look back and and you know, in hindsight, everything seems so obvious, but it is it is a fun exercise to kind of look back at your uh, results and your process of, of what led you there. Yeah, we've already posted some of our early favorite targets and fades for best ball. We're going to continue to slow build that content all the way up until June 1st where we get to give our full best ball rankings. People ask like, okay, why don't you do that right now? We personally don't draft as much until after the NFL draft. That's just like our my personal preference. I don't love drafting rookies uh, where I don't know. So uh, you will get more and more in that as we get May and then June is the full product and then we go to the summer of best ball. So I'm excited to talk about that, but I'm going to hit you with my first lesson from 2022 that I think a lot of people, especially right now at this time in betting in the season, it could be helpful, but it's called hope for the best, plan for the worst, but forecast for the schedule. I mean, that, that that's not bad, that's, right? That's deep. I like it. Okay. So when you walk through a schedule, we need to think in terms of percentages, not just this team's better. And I think a lot of times when win totals come out, and they came out recently on DraftKings Sportsbook, people quickly look at the total and go, oh, they, they'll totally hit the over. Oh, man, that team's not that good. They're so overrated. But we have to think in terms of win percentages and probability because any team has a chance in the NFL. Like it, it, Let me give you some teams that won this past year, some unlikely wins from teams. Did you remember, Betts? that the Indianapolis Colts beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you remember that game? I remember talking about that game for uh, DFS, and I remember you saying that you felt like the under was very much in play, which that was a gross game. It was one that kind of finished, I don't off the top of my head, it was like, what, 17-14 or something something like that. Um, but now that I think about it, they lost on the road in Indy, yeah. It's not just that I like that game as an under. I actually picked the Colts straight up in that game. It was one of my favorite place of the entire year i just say the Colts were going to win and it was ugly and they were ugly the rest of the year but I think we forget through the Jeff Saturday stuff but the Colts beat the eventual Super Bowl champions what about I'm keep throwing this at you what about uh the Washington Commanders did they did they beat your Eagles this past year they did it was a very very tough game to watch if you're an Eagles fan because all they did was, you know, they ran the ball 40 times and they just, you couldn't get on the field if you were the Eagles. So they played keep away. Monday night game, it was an ugly, ugly win. But yes, I do recall that game. Yes. And it was in Philly. I think people forget that. But you could look at a schedule right now and be like, oh, Washington, there's no chance. They're not going to win. But divisional games, obviously, are really tight, tighter than people realize. And I, I just, I'm pointing this out mostly to say that any team can win. You need to assign a win probability to any single team. The Texans, Whoever, the teams that you think are just terrible, like there is a percentage chance. The Texans beat the Jaguars early on in the season, but people only remember the end of the season results. So assign that. Last team I'm going to mention. The San Francisco 49ers were very impressive last year considering 
they had to shuffle through a number of different quarterbacks. I forgot that the 49ers start off the year three and four, all right, and then they rattled off, what was that, like, you know, 12 straight wins, something like that. Like, it was incredible. They started off three and four, and three of those losses were to, drumroll, the Bears, the Broncos, and the Falcons. Like, they lost to the Falcons 28-14. to I totally forgot that this happened, but I just I pointed that out because the 49ers look like a juggernaut, and when you look at their schedule, and their schedule we're going to talk about on this show, like, it's it's a lot of wins that you have to lay to say that, you know, what are they at, 11 and a half? Yeah, they're one of three teams with an 11 and a half win total, which is right now the highest on DraftKings for any teams. It's uh, the Bengals, the Chiefs, and the Niners, and the juice is different for the over and under, but those are the three teams at 11 and a half. So the market is telling us the Niners are going to be great uh, this year. And I know that we're not necessarily talking win totals on this show today, but there's three quarterbacks on those teams playing with the, you know, those, those three mentioned Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and some combination of Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, and Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. I'm going to fade the market like crazy. I'm in on the under for the Niners this year, despite the fact that they do probably have one of the best top-to-bottom rosters in the NFL. So, yeah, when I saw that number, I was shocked just given quarterback play is the most important factor in the NFL. Yeah, I was shocked too. I My schedule adjusted numbers, which I'll, I'll talk about that process. I had him at 11. So I, I thought early on, I feel like getting the under is a is a really sharp move. And you're asking yourself what could go wrong. Because you can always tell yourself what goes right. There's always an air of optimism, but you need to go both ways. But here's what I do, and I think this anybody can do this at home. First, you need to look at a team's actual schedule. Like, here's the teams they play in 2023. Everybody plays six divisional games, right? Three at home, three and away. Those are locked in no matter what. But these games are not gimmies just because, you know, there's a certain team that's better. Like, if you were to go to the AFC North, I think all of us would say the Bengals are the class of that division, and they proved it the last two years. And they're one of those teams that Betts mentioned, 11 and a half wins. Nobody's going to argue that. But if you were to look back last year, Cincinnati was really fortunate to win that division. It came down to the last week, right? They had to beat Anthony Brown, the third-string quarterback of the Ravens. Like, it wasn't a gimme. In fact, every team in the AFC North last year went 3-3 three and three in the division. I think we forget that. We're just like, oh, the Bengals, they had 12 wins. In their division, it was much tougher. So my point is, if you would assign win probabilities in a division, it's probably closer to 50-50 than people realize. You know, if you really want to say like, okay, well, this team's super bad, you know, it 60-40. But like, I just, as as much as I can, I look at historically, here's how these teams have performed in their division. I try to cut it off within five years because who cares about what they did 10 years ago? And then I look at these divisional games and say they are much tighter. So when you and I are looking at lines of games, it's pretty normal to see a, you know, Bengals at Baltimore game be like, you know, Bengals minus two or, you know, just something that's super close. And I don't think people realize the only thing that I will say about divisional games is just Patrick Mahomes doesn't count to this equation against the AFC West bets. He's 27 and three in his career. He's unreal. Absolutely unreal. And when you think about last year specifically with the Chiefs, they kind of got worse, but then they got better because Mahomes is just that good. So he's the best player on the planet, no doubt. Yeah, there's another stat out there that I wanted to use at the end of the year, but it's something like the Chiefs haven't lost a road AFC game played on a Sunday in like 10 years or something like that. Like it's it's stupid. The ones they did lose was like a Thursday and a Monday night, but like they're not real. So... You have to go through the divisional games, assign win probabilities, but here's the part I think people don't realize, and this is what I mention a lot, Betts and I talk a lot about this, is that every year, based on how you finished in your division, you have three quote-unquote seeded matchups. So in other words, you're playing this schedule. So for instance, the Buccaneers, where did they finish in their division this past year, Betts? I mean, technically they finished first, but... (laughs) The entire division was an absolute train wreck. So if that tells you anything, they were first. But in any other division, they would have been, what, second, third, or fourth? So they were first last year, and now they get a first-place schedule coming up. Yeah, and a first-place schedule means that the three seeded games they have this year are Philadelphia at home, at Buffalo, and at San Francisco. Like, those are are (laughs) really hard games. And when you look at Tampa Bay's win totals and you look at everything else, like, 
there's a reason this team is going to see a ton of regression because we don't know who the quarterback is, Baker, Kyle Trask. The weapons are kind of aging. There's a lot of issues you have with this team. They could still win the division because it's a bad division, but you go through the schedule do the same thing. You and I did the same thing with the Panthers because technically they finished second in their division and their second place games they add are the, the Cowboys at home, at Miami, and at Seattle. Like all playoff teams and Carolina's going to be playing with a rookie quarterback. So all of that to say, when you when you add those factors in, a schedule and the way that you look at a schedule for win totals is so vital. Just walk through it yourself if you want to. You can just, you know, pen and paper, spreadsheet, and just look at a schedule and say, wow, I didn't realize that even though the Lions um, are going to be improved this year, you walk through the schedule. It's the second place schedule. It's a little bit tougher. And depending on their divisional matchups, it's, it's tougher. So I just challenge people to do that. There's an article on the site if you want to look at that. But uh, win totals, make sure you adjust for schedule. Yes, and if you were with us last year, we were big on the Ravens over, fortunate to get that to cash, even though they had a ton of you know, um, turmoil throughout the year with all their injuries and stuff like that. But part of that was that we wanted to quote-unquote buy low on the fact that they had, I can't remember if it was a second or a third place schedule, and they're used to playing a first place schedule you know, year no, after I, year. So. I, I think it was a fourth place schedule. Oh, wow. Lamar was hurt. Even better. <laughs> Even That's better. why we were big on them. And then the other one that I pounded the table and I just, I said, I believe in this. I think I believed in this more than any other thing last year was the Cardinals under started at nine and a half. It got bet down to nine and then it got bet down again to eight and a half, but we got it at nine and a half because they had a second place schedule and there were so many things that had to go right. And their schedule was, you know, they were terrible. They were one of the worst teams league and, Going forward, they might be one of the worst teams in the league this year. Yeah, no doubt about that. And if you look at the betting markets for the Super Bowl, they would agree. They are not good. (laughs) The worst odds in the NFL. Before we move on from the Panthers, again, you know, the people want the picks, Kyle. They love it. Um, Your schedule adjusted win total for them is 6.9. 7.5, we took the under, or at least I did, uh, at plus money. It was even money when I got it. We looked at the trends with rookie quarterbacks. Basically, you know, Mahomes didn't play his rookie year very much at all. It was Alex Smith. And then um, Trey Lance didn't play at all his rookie year. Those teams did well because they had another quarterback in place that could actually play. Other than that, the last five, six years, teams picking in the top 10 with a rookie quarterback, the average wins is 5.2. I know it's a weak division, but you also look at the fact that this team has DJ Chark coming off an ankle injury. He was one of the last wide receivers to sign a free agency, if that tells you anything, in a weak free agent class. And Adam Thielen, who's clearly on the decline. So a terrible skill group, with a rookie quarterback, coaching staff, changing teams, lots to go under there, I think, for the seven and a half. So if that's still out there as of this recording, I love that. Okay, my lesson learned from last year, one of them, is it's important to find your edge. And what I mean by that is your edge in DFS and betting might be different than your your friend, your coworker, than mine or Kyle's. It's so important. We talked about this last summer, that you need to identify what your goals are for DFS and betting. It's different for everyone, and so I don't want to kind of give this is what you should do, but kind of what I did for my process looking back at last year from the last couple years, I started taking DFS a lot more seriously, but I I love the grind. You know, Kyle, you know that about me. Love the grind. Love to log in. You're a big fan. I never log out. I never never log out of DraftKings. Um, I love to play all the slates, 50-50s, head-to-head, small field, large field tournaments, the primetime slates. It's overwhelming. And when I took a step back and actually looked at my results, and where I won, I realized I am not a very good large field GPP player. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm not contrarian enough. Maybe it's because I don't you know, go away from the cash plays as much as I should. But I found that my ROI, return on investment for head-to-heads, cash games, and those smaller field tournaments, for me, is what's been really successful. And so I've adjusted my contest selection for DFS. I'm not going in and chasing contests that have open spots you know, willy nilly, I'm really logging in with a goal and with a purpose. And for me, that's head to heads, cash games and those smaller field tournaments. That's different for someone else. Maybe they're a better large field player like Kyle. He's a good large field player. But I think you need to really understand and be honest with yourself. Here's where I win. Here's where I'm not good. And maybe for a year or two, you really focus on what you're good at and then develop over time. So it's a tough pill to swallow, I think, for me to log in and be like, you know what? I'm not playing that 25,000 entry field, even though I know there's a lot of money up top my process just isn't good right now. And so it's kind of a, a good thing I think to look in the mirror and have some reflection about. Yeah. And I think you can apply the exact same thing with betting markets and 
you know, you, you don't just say like, oh, I hit this one time, therefore I'm good at it. But a lot of these markets, you put in your money and you're not going to see it for a very long time. Like that's the worst thing when I look at win totals. I go, okay, I'm going to put this money in and I have this conviction, but I'm not going to get this money until January. And you just need to figure out like, what are the best places to be able to use it? What are your goals? Like you, you mentioned this. I feel like we mentioned this every single year. It's okay for someone to play DFS in a bet and do it just for fun. Like they have 50 bucks, you know, this month or they, you know, whatever. And they're really clear and upfront. So like, I'm pretty clear and upfront with my wife and say, Hey, here's the money that I'm going to be using in our budget. And I'm going to set it aside. And I think she trusts me at this point doing this, that I, she gets a return on her investment. And I'm sure Monica's pretty happy after you, you know, bank a GPP in, uh, in, in NBA that you can, uh, you can be fine. But <laughs> <laughs> what's so funny about that, just real quick, is whenever, you know, it's not that that happens all the time, but whenever it does, I'll be like, hey, you know, I won this much or whatever. And she'd be like, great, what are we doing? I'm like, what do you mean, what are we doing? <laughs> what, what do you mean about that? But yeah, you know, we got to give you your significant other a break. They, they deal with us a lot for putting in the time and effort for this. So I guess they should get a little kickback, huh? Yeah. And I've also learned to never display like in the middle of a slate what I'm winning. I never, no. I never will no, do that. No, 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 no. Because when it goes down a little bit at the end, she goes, that was what 20 minutes ago, what happened? And you're like, well, you know, there's this, you know, touchdown and the, the field had this and it just doesn't matter. So, uh, yeah, make sure you understand. And then we have content. We talk about this, like to identify what your goals are and where you can spend your money with best ball. It's really fun. You can spend it very quickly, though, over the summer. So uh, make sure you play with us so we can take your money. But it's it's another place where you're not going to see a return on your investment. So just what are your goals? What kind of bankroll? Um, and if you're just doing it for fun, that's totally fine, too. You don't have to be a serious, you know, grind the spreadsheets kind of person. We will do that for you. Let's take a quick break and we'll come right back. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. All right. Number three, lesson learned from this past year and something that I feel like I need to preach to myself again is that roster percentages in DFS get condensed more than you think. Often when we play DFS, you and I, we we try to teach people how to play it from a cash perspective, from a median standpoint of saying, okay, here's how you can build a bankroll. And we think that you can be successful doing that if you pick the right contest. When you look at tournaments, the word safety is a flawed way of looking at DFS because we're trying to flip the, the script and look at things from a, you know, this is a fragile player. This is a fragile projection. This is a wide receiver who could go for 40 points, but he could also go for two. Like Justin Jefferson last year was our boy, right? We were very pro Vikings, very pro them winning the division, and we got him to win offensive player of the year. We're probably going to mention that until we die, right? That we that we won that. That alone, I think, kept this show alive for another three years. So we're just going to keep, keep harping on it. Okay, so here's a real question: Did he win offensive player of the year, or did we? It was a team like, effort. It was very, it was very much a team effort. <laughs> we believed uh, Justin Jefferson. Looking at his game logs, looking at like okay, just remembering back the season, he scored under 15 points seven times in the regular season. If you would have played him in DFS. I promise you, he would have showed up at the very top of our projections and everybody's projections because we know that over the course of time, that will be stable. But if you got under 15 points from Justin Jefferson, let's say he was, I don't know, $7,500 in DK or $8,000 in DK, maybe even more. 
If you got 15 points bets or less, how would you feel? You'd have a snowflake in your lineup and you'd be very sad. Yeah. Like in cash, 15 points for Justin Jefferson may sound like, okay, I maybe, maybe you got there if you didn't make other mistakes. But the problem is he was eating up so much of salary. So Justin Jefferson is just like any other player, unfortunately, that they can have weeks where you look and you pay up for the projected, you know, safety of this is who this player is. And he had some absolute duds, right? Like he had a game in the fantasy playoffs where he scored, what, two points? Like it was just disgusting. I looked at our roster percentage reports from this past year. This past year, I got to do it for FanDuel as well. That We got to add that. So DraftKings and FanDuel, you and I get to give a, a look. And behind the scenes, we run some algorithms. We look at historical data that says, hey, here's what this player at this salary historically has done based on the slate based on their projections, based on their opponent. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to take a random week and just use this as a case study. I went to week 10, it was November 13th, and I found that there were four running backs that ended up over 20% in the roster percentage projections. And then in the Millie Maker, they all ended up, one of them was 27% Travis Etienne, Saquon Barkley was 26, Tony Pollard was 25, Damian Pierce was over 20 just knowing that information, Bets, I'm going to ask you a question. What does that tell you if there are four running backs over 20%, knowing you can't play all four, what does that tell you from like a game theory perspective what you should probably do? I mean, the first inclination I have just with that info is like, there's going to be a couple of really good projected plays that because the field condenses on a couple guys that are going to slip through the cracks and maybe they project for a point less or two points less or three but we know that we're kind of looking at chasing the tail end of outcomes in the higher end of ceiling. If those guys slip to the cracks, then yeah, they're definitely worth taking shots on in tournaments. When you go over to a cash game and I took those same guys and then I looked up and saw what they were in cash, they were almost 50%. Tony Pollard was almost 50%. Damian Pierce was the cheaper. He was at 42%. Uh, Alvin Kamara was at 37%. Like all of these guys in cash seemed like they were the locks. Like that week you had to have these players and I can't really fault players for saying, hey, I need you know, this player and this safety. But when it comes to tournaments, what you didn't want to do is to pay up or to pay for just safety. You wanted to find ceiling. That's what you wanted. So the four running backs I listed, Saquon got 26 points. Tony Pollard got 24 points. You would have been pretty happy with those, especially in cash, if you got that. But there were other running backs that week that were around the same price point that had similar ceilings that gave you the same outcome, and they were at 2%, 1.8%, and 1.3% in roster percentages. So Aaron Jones, James Conner, Dalvin Cook all scored over 23 points, and the field wasn't playing them. So the question I just want to give to people myself is asking yourself, who is popular? Why are they popular? Is the field condensing around them? And then in tournaments, are there other players with similar ceiling outcomes that you can say, hey, I can I can pivot off. And you know what? Dalvin Cook and Saquon Barkley scored basically the same exact number of points. Okay, so at the end, it didn't really matter. Dalvin Cook was $600 cheaper and nobody was playing him. So if you have a similar you know ceiling, then I'm going to shoot for the guy who's going to be a lot lower in roster percentage. Yeah, and that's what tournaments are all about, right? Is you're trying to embrace the volatility that is NFL DFS. Because if it just worked as if, oh, this guy is the best matchup, just play that guy, you know, it, it, it'll work out. I'll print money. Clearly, that doesn't happen every week. And that's why when the chalk fails, you, if you're a good tournament player and you can identify some of these similarly projected plays for less roster percentage, that's where you really win. So again, um, I'm not the best at this, but I remember last year talking about it. You have to not be afraid to lose to win in right. GPPs. So that's what that's all about. But yes, I remember that week. Was that the, um, was that the Travis Etienne against Detroit matchup? I can't, so Travis Etienne ended up with just 10 points. He was the chalk. I can't remember. I I had a bias against him last year, and I was wrong a couple times, and I was right like one or two times. I can't remember. Yeah, there was, a, there was a week I remember he was mega chalk against the Lions because, of course, and that was when the Lions really turned it around and started playing really good defense, on especially against the run. He was kind of the first running back to really fail. So I remember that very, very vividly, actually, from this past year. Moving on, number four. The point I want to take home from last year's uh, dynasty pass which was very uh, new for everyone brand new was the 
resources in there, I love to be able to project teams going forward. And I never really thought about it that way. You know, I kind of viewed each thing as its own independent, you know, tool that we have. Like, oh, we have a free agent tracker. Great. We have an injury tracker. Cool. We also have team opportunity. That's great too. But when you look at all those things together and you combine everything, the term that I like to use is a team's ecosystem. When you look at what key players are coming off injury, where they allocated their funds in free agency, what draft picks they actually have in the NFL draft, where are they at in the salary cap? The ecosystem that this team has helps you understand the likelihood, again, we're talking probability, the likelihood that this team will be good or not good in the betting markets and therefore probably for DFS as well. So I wanted to point out an example. A couple weeks ago, I looked at the betting markets for the NFC West and I was like, man, the Seahawks plus 425, that was third best in the division behind the Niners, the Rams, of course, the Cardinals are dead last. And, and there they were third best for the Seahawks. And then I looked at every team like, okay, what's going on here? San Francisco, major quarterback issues. We just talked about the under on their win total. Brock Purdy coming off major elbow surgery. Trey Lance, who's played, what, four starts in his career? We don't even know if he's good. They don't know if he's good at this point. And Sam Darnold, who I think collectively we all know <laughs> is not great <laughs> at this game of football. They also lose their defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans. You know, they've got a lot of things going right for them, but there are some downfalls that could go on here. Again, first place schedule. The Rams. The Rams are a train wreck, in my opinion. And, and I was shocked to see their price where they were because their two best players on offense, Matthew Stafford, who I know there's reports that he's not considering retirement. There was a, you know, Matthew Berry does his NFL combine reactions of what he heard around the NFL. This is not news. It's just, here's what people are talking about. That he could barely throw last year, that he was considering retirement seriously. Then you throw in Cooper Cup coming off major injury. You know, they lose um, a couple of guys on defense, Taylor Rapp, Bobby Wagner, Jalen Ramsey, of course. This team has no money. They have no picks. There's a lot of ways where it goes really bad for the Rams this year again. And so I said, look, the, the Seahawks are underpriced. You know, Gino played really winning caliber football. He came back and did them a favor. Barely had to spend money to get him back there. They also have a ton of picks up in the draft Number five, number 20, number 37, and 52 overall is excellent draft capital to go along with a, a good amount of spending, but not too much in free agency. So the ecosystem there is is great. So I love that that play. And then the Cardinals, for obvious reasons, were never <laughs> in contention. But I kind of used our tools and looked back and said, like, look, you can use all these things and really help you identify where there is an edge in the betting market. So the uh, Seattle Seahawks at plus 425 two weeks ago was one that I jumped on. It's now plus 275, which... I actually still kind of like the Rams are, are plus 450. I wouldn't touch that. Um, so the Seattle Seahawks to win the NFC West was one that I made. Yeah, and I'm looking at their schedule right now. So they finished second, but their second place games, get this, the Panthers at home, the Titans on the road, taking a step back, and then your Detroit Lions on the road at Ford Field. So those are not scary at all when you think about a second place schedule. Uh, there are some tough games against the NFC East, against the AFC North, but... I have them at 8.7 wins, and I believe their win total was at 8.5 last time I looked. Yep. So I, I lean on the over, and if you think that San Francisco takes a step back, then you can definitely do that. I like looking at these markets, like you mentioned, and taking four or five things and saying, how can I filter this decision on the NFC West, on their win totals, not just on just schedule. Like I did this schedule right there, but you can look at it and say, you know, team opportunity. Okay, so what what's actually leaving this team? And I don't know, like, is Will Disley still on the team? Like, he is because he signed a crazy. He signed the uh, the Josh Oliver deal <laughs> last off season or two off seasons ago. The random like three years for twenty four million or something like that. Dude, I, good for him. It's it's the same cast of characters though, right? Like for Seattle, like it's pretty much the same. They lost Travis Homer, but it's like it's going to be the same team. And they're rookies. I mean, they killed it in the draft last year. You mentioned their draft capital. So there's a number of ways to look at all of these markets. And yes, you can get all of that in the Dynasty Pass, part of the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus. Let's finish with one last lesson. And this might be my favorite one from this past year. And I need to give some props to you, my friend, be, uh, for this section for, for a number of reasons. But it's called Prop It Even When You're Not Hot. So... Guys, we got to roll out this past year. We, we talked about prop betting a lot, and we used to give it on the show, but then we got to roll it out in full. And the beginning of the last year was pretty tough. Like, 
it was tough for both of us. And I know it was tough for you to be like, Hey, we're not hitting on some of these. Like we want, we don't have our percentage of our prop bets and people stuck with us. Like I was shocked. I thought people would be more mad, but I think they believed in us. And then from week six on, dude, we were on fire and I'll say you were on fire. We got to add those together, but that was a big lesson for us. Yeah. The, the first part of the season, like the first five weeks, we kind of got punched in the mouth a little bit. Uh, we had a 40% win rate on the props that we gave out in the DFS pass and in our discord channel. That's not good. Like, in fact, that's terrible <laughs> actually, but it's so important. If you are going to be playing DFS, if you're going to be betting, the biggest takeaway is not to boast, like here's what our numbers were and look how great it was, is to understand that it's a long season. Things are going to come and go up and down. And if you just like zoom in on one or two weeks, it really can be tough to log back in and keep doing it and, and do it smartly, right? You don't want to chase your bets. You don't want to chase your losses. But if you think about, you know, weeks one through 18 and the playoffs, it's a long season. And if you're doing best ball, like that goes back to April, May, June, whatever it is for you personally, it's a long season. So the biggest takeaway that I have for this is like, we don't want to get stuck in the weeds in one week. We need to make sure we turn the page and have that long-term mindset, which again is smart. Just a reminder for everyone for any betting DFS, it's not about one bet, one week, one slate. It's about an entire season. So yeah, the, the first part of the, the season, not great, Bob, but the last part of the season, awesome. I think the temptation in anything in life, but it's just in this place of saying, hey, I want to look at props. I want to look at you know projections is to change up your approach. You go, okay, well, this isn't working for you know three or four weeks. I'm going to go do something else. Like, okay, I'm going to go find some giant parlays. And if I just do that, I will get us back. In, or, you know what? This is what I've done before. I'm going to look at kicker props. I know that I look at kicker stuff more than most people, and I've hit on those a lot. Um, or if I just spend more money on DFS, I can make up for it. Instead, you got to stay the course and remind yourself that props are about projections. And you do this every single week. When you're playing fantasy football in your home league, you are looking at projections. Whatever you know, site you're, you're doing is you're going, okay, you know, their projection says 18 and a half points, but you also need to be able to say, okay, well, what if he doesn't get this or how many catches does he need to get to this point? So we do that all the time. And then I think another thing that really saved us is you and I got to diversify a couple times, uh, in some different markets. Uh, we had that really fun Rashad Penny bet that, uh, that hit that one week, lead the league in rushing. And then he just got injured and <laughs> never played again. But, but that one week, uh, <laughs> that one week, and- that's all that matters. And then we posted our season-long props that, like, once I, once again, you don't get that money right away, but it trends in such a good direction that we talk about it on the show, we try to check in, and you and I hit 80% on our se- on our official season-long props. That's, that's worth mentioning. Yeah, and, and we go back to finding your edge. Like, knowing this and from last year, personally with these numbers... I'm going to need to up my ante in that market because I know there's an edge. You and I both know that the market overvalues the overs. You know, we take unders in that market and you do really well generally. So that's one that maybe we'll have more volume for this year, especially if, um, you know, the sports books like DraftKings specifically puts out a ton of volume on guys that right now you wouldn't even think would have a market like last year, Mike Gesicki and, you know, third wide receivers for teams, stuff like that. So there really is an edge in that market, which I think is one that we'll probably get to quite heavily this year. Yeah, my I had such a good return this past year on just saying, you know what? I am going to place 80-90% of my season long, you know, on unders on players yardage or catches. Or, that's where I'm going to just put my unders on. And a couple overs that didn't hit as I just I wanted Javante to be good and he got <laughs> he got hurt. I thought his number was too low. But other than that, it was just like I put under on Cooper Cup. I put under on Keenan Allen, my favorite player in the league. Like I just you just you're betting on one things have to go right. You're also saying injuries can be a part of it, which is sad. And then also like players like JK Dobbins, you were just like, there's no way this dude is going to hit this number. And you're able to take an under on, on a lot of those things. So stay with us. We get to give those over the next couple of weeks and into may where teams kind of get to shape up and we get to see that. So prop it even when you're not hot. Speaking of props, Drop it like it's hot. Let's give a little tease for the people on for next week's show. We will go more in depth on NFL draft props. We're going to give two right now that we like, 
and the lines might be moving based on how much money we throw at it, but also uh, just depending on when we're recording. So in general, if you really want to do this, if you really want to you know, bet on NFL draft props, you need to shop for lines because they're different in different places. And we would say NFL draft props are really fun, but they're probably not the best way to make a ton of money. Like the lines get super sharp over the next month where you're probably not going to be able to do, you know, and say, like, oh, I made $10,000 on this. Like it's just not going to happen. But we almost hit that Jamison Williams one. Oh, gosh. It felt good to be on the right side of that. Um, and now we can just tell our kids about it, Kyle, and it doesn't matter because we made $0.00. zero cents. It was, <laughs> for those that don't remember, it was Jamison Williams to go in the top 10 at plus, what, 15000 or something? Something ridiculous. Yeah, it was when it was early in the process of like, you know, we know this guy's talented. We know teams like him. He's probably going to move up boards. I don't think I even saw the steam getting to where you go, 12. Um, but there was talks of him even sneaking maybe into the top five. And so we kind of felt good about where we were at. And, um, you know, two picks later, it doesn't mean a thing. <laughs> All right. Hit me with uh, one prop you like. Yeah. So this is one that I think um, is going to change. The number I think is going to move in our favor. If you can get this, the line is still out there. I'd play this right now up to anything about 140 minus 150. I would not go higher than that right now with the information we have. But it's Paris Johnson to be the first offensive lineman taken. He is the left tackle. Uh, he's also played right tackle out of Ohio State. But my rationale for this is is a couple of things. One, he's frequently mocked right around pick 11, pick 12. Sometimes he's right at pick 10. I've even seen him at 9, which is where Chicago is picking. The other lineman that's in this market that's kind of the, the second favorite is uh, Peter Skronsky. So these these two guys are very different players in that I'm not going to be a tape bro, the NFL you know grinder who knows everything about arm size and hand size and whatever else size. <laughs> but the scouting report on this player is that 34 and a quarter inch arms is 97th percentile. Peter Skronsky is a guy who profiles more in the NFL as an interior offensive lineman, more of a guard because he has the shorter arms. So the NFL values tackle play way more than they do guard play. And so what I'm saying is I think these markets should be different based off the fact that in the NFL, Paris Johnson projects as more of a tackle. Peter Scronsi might play tackle, but probably is going to be a guard. And so I look at uh, Chicago picking ninth. The Eagles are a team picking 10th. They often build through the trenches. Uh, the Eagles do. And the, the Bears are a team that need help a lot of places, but they move down. You think about Justin Fields. You think about the weapons they have now with DJ Moore makes sense to give him some protection. So I kind of like Paris Johnson slotting in there potentially to number nine for the first uh, offensive lineman off the board to Chicago. There was an interview with uh, Peter King, who's pretty dialed into the Chicago uh, sports scene. He did it with um, NBC Chicago, talked about the concerns that Chicago would have if they take a player who can only play guard at nine, which I think is Skronsky. So I'm leaning into that. I think Paris Johnson to be the first offensive lineman taken. Is going to close closer to minus 175, minus 200 over the next couple of weeks. So I would grab it now if we can get ahead of that line movement. Yeah, especially I'm going to bet on a player that's purely a tackle. I also, just for fun, I was looking up uh, recruiting, uh, just like where was Paris Johnson like years ago. I was looking at that whole draft class. Like He's been the, the dude for a while. Um, so it makes a lot of sense. Nine makes a lot of sense. And then I bet, like where do you think this will be in a couple of weeks? Minus... Yeah. 200 that's what i said yeah minus 175 minus 200 um there are going to be lines that do close in that market that potentially could still be good bets but right now i just think if you want to chase or not chase but get a headline movement rather like i said if you can find them right now at minus 125 minus 130 something like that i do think he closes closer to uh, minus 200 here's one that i'm kind of confused why this market has stayed steady um it after the combine i thought that it would be even further Anthony Richardson, quarterback extraordinaire, who I can't wait to talk about on uh, the Dynasty podcast, going ahead of Will Levis. So right now, Anthony Richardson, you can get this market. It's called like draft matchups, or you basically pick two players. And on DraftKings, Anthony Richardson is minus 225 to go ahead of Will Levis. Will Levis is at plus 180. We've received very little news, almost no news, about any teams being hyped to take Levis in the top five at all. And I'm not saying Richardson will go in the top five, but there have been connections to say that if teams want to trade up, he would be the guy they trade up for and not Levis. You can look at mock draft database. You can look at lots of different places. Richardson is connected a ton with the Colts. Uh, one of these quarterbacks is usually connected with the Raiders, which 
I think is a cool landing spot. I know you took a a bet on Anthony Richardson to go to the Raiders, and that line has definitely moved in your favor. But Levis and Daniel Jeremiah's latest mock dropped all the way down to 19, and if there is going to be one to drop, I think it's him. I would expect this line, I don't know, to be more like minus 300 to even minus 400, where it becomes more of a lock. And I asked the one Jason Moore. I said, Jason, you don't I, you don't know this market, but I just want to do a little test here. What would you put the odds at that Anthony Richardson goes ahead of Will Levis? And he said, it wouldn't shock me if it was minus 500. And I said, what if I told you it's minus 225? He goes, well, I'm running to bet this right now. <laughs> so you can take Jason Moore's stone cold lock guarantee. That's the I big mean, shimmy lock of the week. It's the boom, boom. If there was one in the off season, it's, it's this. So yeah, I, I think it's a good market. Um, I think it'll move in the right direction. Maybe there's a team that falls in love with Levis, but I think Richardson hype is only going to go further. Top five isn't a must, but if there's a team that's going to trade up, I think it's going to be for him. Yeah. I think that's definitely interesting. The, the tricky thing with this is that, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Lamar. Maybe by the time the show comes out, we know the answer for Lamar Jackson. But that's the one concern I have is that like if the Colts can somehow land him and then all of a sudden there's not a team that's in love with Anthony Richardson, what happens there? But the most likely outcome I agree with you is that Richardson is probably going to go ahead of Will Levis. If you look at their um, grinding the mocks, I love that tool, by the way, if you haven't used it for uh, mock drafting or for, you know, even just if you're an NFL fan, if you want to bet on the draft, it shows you kind of like trend lines of where guys are going. Anthony Richardson's across the industry is projecting up from the end of the season. Will Levis has kind of been stagnant and dropping a little bit. So follow those trends. I agree with you. Uh, Anthony Richardson probably going to go ahead of Will Levis. Next week, we will get to go into more detail, give you some of our favorite draft props. We'll start walking through the actual board, um, which is super fun. I know a lot of people, there's tons of mocks. We can look at it from an NFL fit perspective too, but we're looking at it from a betting perspective. We're going to start getting numbers here soon that give you the over-under. Like, okay, hey, I remember a couple years ago, we did Jalen Waddle. His number was at like 11 and a half when we took the under. And, you know, he went, what, six overall. So those are the kind of things that you get to look at. Those are really fun markets to play and you see the move. So make sure you join us next week. But we're back, back in business, DFS and betting. Bets, sign us off. You and I just realized, Kyle, we're back every week from now until the Super Bowl. So we are officially in <laughs> in-season mode for this show. We're excited to have you guys with us all year long. Have a great week. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at thefantasyfootballers.com.